0: Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live Studios in Eggleston Square, where tonight we're also being simulcast on our sister radio station, WBCA FM 102.9. And tonight, uh, 90 minutes in total, uh, first up tonight, you'll meet uh, a couple of the candidates running in the at-large Boston City Council race as part of our election 2023 coverage. Uh, uh, we're expecting them to arrive in any moment and we'll be talking with uh, Councilor Ruthie uh, Louis-June and uh, of course, uh, one of the challengers, uh, Clifton Braithwaite, uh, when we come back with that. Uh, also then in the second half, our main bout, so to speak, uh, the uh, open seat for District Three City Council, Let's, uh, Uh, mainly in Dorchester and a little piece of uh, uh, the South End all the way up to the Pike. Uh, uh, That seat was vacated or is being vacated by Frank Baker who announced that he would not be running for re-election. The two finalists in the preliminary are also scheduled to join us tonight for a mini-debate. John Fitzgerald and Joel Richards uh, finished one and two in the uh, prelim and uh, they should be here tonight. And then later on, Uh, Counselor at large, uh, Julia Mejia, also joins us. All that and more tonight on Talking the Neighbors. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. (laughs) ¶¶
1: On Tuesday, Superintendent Mary Skipper joined Boston Public School teachers and students to celebrate the opening of a new outdoor classroom at Boston Greenway Academy. Students now have the opportunity to be outside and get a sense of reliefment and enjoyment. Instead of looking at the same classroom walls and tables, they get to see changing trees, flowers, and chirping birds. Although this is the only year that I will be in the outdoor classroom, I... I'm very happy that BGA will continue to bear fruits to many generations to come. Green in our garden means um, sustainable food that we can put on our table for those in need. Not only our families who are biologic to us, but the families that are in our school with us, because we have to work together to cause a change in our health. The Brighton outdoor classroom joins 10 new raised bed garden programs spread across Boston's public schools.
2: Kids growing up in the city often get fewer opportunities to uh, have direct contact with nature and nature-based learning. And it's really important to be able to um, connect directly with plants and other living things as you're learning about um, the cycles of nature and the importance of sustainability. And so we're excited to have um, you know as many opportunities as we can for kids to learn in, right in the city where they live.
1: In addition to building these green spaces, Grow Boston and Green City Growers also provide weekly education classes for students to learn about tending to plants and being environmentally conscious.
3: Gardens like this build a real strong sense of community. They let kids from the city know where food is from, how it's grown, you make good nutritious decisions. But more importantly, I think it it does build teamwork and an attachment. So you'll have an attachment to this school, you'll learn things that you'll do the rest of your life, and you'll have attachments to your neighborhood, your community.
1: A major goal of these programs is to have the students see the role that sustainability must play in their lives.
3: We want our students to
4: be able to connect their own lives to the urban environment and think about sustainability. So when they look at trees, when they look at nature, when they look at pollinators, think about how it interacts with their lives and how we can
1: make those things more sustainable in Boston. Even after these kids blossom into adulthood, they'll never be too far from their roots.
0: All right, we're back with more of Talk to the Neighbors. I'm Joe Heisley, your host. Tonight, election 2023, we're just... Uh, Little less than two weeks away from final election day here in the city of Boston. Of course, uh, on the ballot, uh, all the uh, city council races, uh, including, of course, uh, uh, the at large race. There was not a preliminary election as there were only eight candidates in total. Uh, In the final, the top four will be elected. and one of those running tonight, uh, or, or joining me tonight, I should say, in the running, she is an incumbent, uh, Counselor uh, uh, Ruthie Louis-Jen, and she is uh, back and back on the campaign trail. Nice enough to come in tonight. Of Thanks course, so much for joining awesome us. Of course, Awesome to be here. Thank yeah. you so
2: much for having me. You know,
0: in a large field like this, it's it's hard for voters sometimes to, you know, kind of differentiate and, uh you know, I'm sure it depends upon their per- political persuasion or where they live or or identity, that type of thing. What have you found in, while running has made you stand out uh, the most from the seven other candidates that are in the race and uh,
2: That's a great question, Joe. I you know, hopefully it's my work ethic. It's the uh, fact that people know that um, I show up. Uh, whether it's for a community event or to, uh, you know, uh, a dumpster that's overflowing to help solve problems. Mm-hmm. We have, I am grateful to have a really good team because no one can do anything alone. I have a really great team yeah. on city council, Of and uh, we're dedicated to solving problems, addressing big and large mm-hmm. issues. Um, and I also think folks have seen me work these past two years. They've seen a council that has sort of been... Bogged down by these Mm -hmm. headlines and antics, and they've seen, you know, the Globe call me a cool, thoughtful head. You know, when when there were those moments of strife on Mm -hmm. the council, and I think folks appreciate that. They appreciate having someone who uh, is not going to, you know, be swayed by all of the personalities and other things going to happening, and is just going to be really straight, just focused on the work.
0: I'm kind of curious what you took from the. Uh, defeat of two of the incumbent, uh, they were district counselors, but uh, two incumbent counselors in the preliminary election. Uh, What does that tell you about the mood of the electorate and how did that or how has it informed your own campaign?
2: Well, the last two years have just been, it's been an interesting two years on the city council where there's been a lot of headlines, have a lot of strong personalities on the Boston City Council um, and, you know. I, I think that voters made a decision, you know, which way they wanted to move forward. And, and I think the voters and people in Boston really want us to just be focused as singular as we can on the work. And so because that's how I function, I mm-hmm. function, I, you know, try to hold myself to as high a standard as possible. And I try to focus on the work for me. There was no sort of lesson learned other than keep doing what you're doing.
0: Well, you, you have had some uh, some very controversial issues come up uh and not the least of which is uh, how best to uh, deal with the situation down at Mass and Cass. Now, uh, the council uh, did approve the removal of tents, uh, although I, one of the uh, candidates said that the mayor already had the power to do that. But how Do you feel that like that's the best way to, to go forward, and how did you vote on that?
2: I voted in support of the ordinance that will give Boston Police Department more authority to really uh, engage and remove the tents. Do I think it's the best solution? I think this is a hard problem Mm -hmm. and that we're talking about solutions. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the solutions, um, getting the tents down and ensuring that everyone who is in need of housing has access to a bed or a shelter or somewhere mm-hmm. to sleep at night because what is happening over our Mass on Atkinson Street is unsafe. It's, un- it's safe for our vulnerable population down there. Mm. There's really very little good happening down there <laughs> and it's exceptionally, Im- <laughs> it's, it's important for us to get people into a safe and stable shelter yeah. and then help them also get access to long-term treatment.
0: Is there enough shelter uh, and treatment services in your opinion?
2: So there's not um, the the city uh, has stated that it has enough shelter for those who are unhoused who are mass and cast not everyone at mass and cast is unhoused there are folks who are down there engaging in activity who are preying on folks yep. who have a place yeah. to call home right um, and so the we are we, you know we are told that there are enough beds uh, living quarters for folks who uh, don't otherwise have a place mm-hmm. to live um, and there, but there are not enough treatment beds, and really, it's a state that really controls the treatment process. The Boston Public Health Commission talked about that. We need to be increasing the number of treatment beds that we have so that people can get into treatment, and we need to increase treatment stays because we're learning that obviously the 30-day stays have not been enough mm. to really uh, help people uh, recover from what isn't a, a, the disease of addiction. So we need longer right. stays and more beds.
0: Now the uh, the state and uh, I. I think the state, the city, had some say in it, or at least uh, has been consulted. Has talked about uh, uh, demolishing the, the Shattuck Hospital and and building uh, supportive housing uh, there on that site. Is that something you can support?
2: Well, we what, what we do need is we do need more places for folks who um, are in recovery and need uh, stable and safe places mm-hmm. uh, to call home. Um, and so we are currently in community discussing the Shadag proposal, and there all there are legitimate concerns about the proposal mm-hmm. in terms of the scope and um, how big it's going to be. You know, the RFP was put out mm-hmm. for one size, and then, uh, you know, right. it came back with something that was four, five, six times what was originally proposed. You know, we there are concerns about you know the mixed populations of need down there. Mm-hmm. Is it does it make sense to have folks in the area who? are themselves currently struggling with the addiction and those who are in recovery. So I think that there are some real legitimate conversations that need to happen mm-hmm. about uh, about that plan really becoming reality, and that's what's happening right mm-hmm. now in community.
0: Is the mayor, uh, has she been aggressive enough in, in uh, attacking or, or uh, focusing, addressing the issues uh, around this, including the whole idea of the Shattuck uh, being redone?
2: I, I do I think I I think we have to be fair and, and, and acknowledge how yeah. difficult of an issue the the we're talking about uh, public health and yeah. a public safety issue down at Mass and Cass. we have residents and we have business owners who have to wake up to needles mm-hmm. who whose business ha, um, has really experienced a really big hit because folks don't want to frequent the area right. so those are big issues but I do believe in the model of, of housing first and treatment first how are we doing both at the same time and I do believe this administration has taken that seriously now housing is costly and expensive um, and we need more state buy-in to make that a reality and uh, there's a, there's also the state responsibility again when we're talking about treatment but i do applaud the administration and my office has been supportive in writing the letters to get long island back up and running right, right? we were talking about folks at mass and cast who are uh uh dealing with a uh, living with addiction who are dealing with mental health issues that are often untreated because we have a healthcare system that doesn't treat mental health issues with the same uh, urgency as okay. as as we do physical right. uh, physical health issues, um, and uh, we have folks who are experiencing homelessness because we've commodified housing and housing, which is a human right, um, is is expensive in the second most expensive yeah. city to rent. So. The issues are hard, and huh. they sometimes yeah. feel intractable.
0: So, no, no, no easy solutions. Uh, let me just ask you about some uh, various uh, uh, issues that have come before the council, and some that you know may just be in the works. Uh, <laughs> this is one uh, that always pops up. How, how do you feel about bike lanes? Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's uh, been a proposal, of course, by the city to. Uh, on Center Street in West Rock Springs, not the only place, but to reduce the lanes, the traffic lanes, and put in bike lanes. Uh, some people are not in favor of that. As a matter of fact, a lot of people a lot yeah. are saying there's too many bike lanes, and it's it's creating more of a problem than it's solving. Yeah. Is it? Uh, I, is that the way to approach the uh traffic issues, you think?
2: So there's one street, for example, on American Legion Highway, where We're, folks are really, you know, upset about bike lane, the yeah. bike lane that's there and it's reduced a lot of the, uh, yeah. that uh, street yeah. to
0: i never uh, see any bikes but have people I've biking. Seen, I've, I,
4: seen oh, oh, I, I, I've seen some bikes. I've
2: seen some bikes. There are some bikers on the street. <laughs> but what was also really true is that, um, is that cars and drivers treated American Legion Highway as if it was a, a racetrack, yeah. and uh, you would often drive by, you'd go one minute and you'd see some flowers and a teddy bear and RIP commemorating yeah. someone who's died yeah. as a result. Yeah. So even if we remove the conversation about bike lanes, I think about the lives saved yeah. as a result of, of, of more caution yeah. when driving down. You know, and I think, you know, we we do need to make streets and be thinking about the future, about how we make these multimodal streets that really belong to everyone, which is mm-hmm. why I really loved the open streets that we've had in every neighborhood um and you know i do think we need to listen to community when they say this is not the best street for the bike lane have we explored this alternative route right have we have we um have we explored counterflow lanes yep. on certain streets? And so I think that it needs to be part of the conversation. But I do think that we need to be opening up our streets to be, to be multimodal. I mean, what makes this conversation, mm-hmm. Joe, exceptionally hard is that we have a terrible MBTA.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
2: Right? We have, yep. we have disinvented, disinvested in our public transit yep. system, which is a public good. We have so much deferred maintenance. Look at whatever line then there's an issue, mm-hmm. whether it's the orange line, the red line, the green line. Um, and a, what is a global city, a world-class city, and we are struggling every day with our public transit, that makes a lot of this harder because right. you're, you don't feel like you can get out of your car and, and get that's on the not
0: train. Well, the city has control over, although they now have a seat on the board. All yeah. right, just because uh, we don't have a, a lot of time. Okay. Zoning changes, uh, housing, accessory. Uh, uh,
2: Dwelling uh, units, yeah, 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 ADUs. You like it? I like ADUs, yep. I yep. do. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and what other changes would, would you make? Uh, to increase the or, or uh, increase the flow of housing, uh, not not every neighborhood wants more uh, development. More development. But uh, how, yeah. do you, how do you how overcome that kind of uh, that sense? Even though you know the housing crisis is just totally out of control. Yeah,
2: we have an affordability crisis, right? It's yeah. too expensive for our, especially for our working class families, and a production issue. We need to be producing more housing. One of the things that I really like. The administration has been engaging in uh, uh, what's a project called Welcome Home Boston, uh, expanding affordable homeownership opportunities on city-owned land. It's really important for Mm -hmm. us to be using our own assets as a city Mm -hmm. to really reduce the cost of housing. Building housing on land that the city already owns is part of that. Not every uh, plot of land that is uh, uh, open for development should be developed, especially as we are staring uh, down the climate crisis. We need open spaces. We need grass. We need trees. Yeah. We need all of that. So not every plot of land is for development. Um, and we know that, again, I'm, my jurisdiction is the city of Boston. I'm a Boston city councilor. <laughs> but I'd also love to see other cities yeah, take, um, their, well, the MBTA communities, like, take into... Right.
0: And supposedly, well, there is, uh, uh, you know, housing uh, changes, zoning changes that have been passed by the state. We'll see if that, that has an effect. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, uh, condemnation of the Gaza attacks. Should that be uh, uh, a topic of... Uh, debate on the city council. I mean, uh, some very fiery remarks and, uh, again, you know, kind of back and forth that uh, I think a lot of people were kind of surprised at.
2: I'm not going to be one to say that it shouldn't be a topic. I mean, I think it's It's obviously a very difficult topic, right? And it's one that's been around really for decades, centuries, about, you know, claims to land. And, you know, I'm someone who's Haitian-American. When I got on the Boston City Council, I called for changes Mm -hmm. to what the federal government was doing vis-a-vis folks at the border who were trying to make a claim for asylum. So I'm not going to say that we and the Boston City Council can't be dealing with these larger issues because... They are very personal for some folks. Um, I just think that, you know, there are very difficult issues and sometimes inflammatory language doesn't really help.
0: It's been called, uh, you know, and uh, when you were here before, we talked a little bit about this, but uh, uh, the council has become very toxic. Uh, You know, some, you know, and you mentioned at the the top of the interview here, uh, what can you do to change that and kind of uh, bring some civility back to the body?
2: Well, we're going to have a, a, a new body in January. We have, we're have we going to have at least four, we have four new city council members. Mm-hmm. And just that alone is going to really change the dynamic of the city council. Mm-hmm. We need to remember that the voters elected us to do the work that I want to see, like, actually, you know, I have a, I have a lot of passion and personality, but I want the council to be very boring. I want us to be addressing the housing issues, the climate justice issues, mm. improving our schools, thinking critically about policing and our oversight responsibility, making sure that our streets are clean and that trash is being picked mm. up and that we're building parks that 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 our our dynamic and what our what our young people want. Mm-hmm. That's what I want us to focus on, and I think that we can. We need to, you know, we've been dealing with a lot. It was a council that really came out of this pandemic, so just grappling with a lot mm-hmm. of really big things. There are a lot of other. There were elections that happened for folks in um, the city council running for other office, so there's a lot of politics involved. Um, we, it's just there's just been a lot that this council has experienced, and hopefully the next council will be able yeah. to get its like uh, And
0: there'll be a uh, new uh, council president as well. Yes, uh, yes, at there at the or, yes, there will be. At least the same rules. Yes, there will be. If you are uh, reelected, is that something you would uh, consider taking on?
2: Well, let, let, let's get in the next 11 days, and then we'll <laughs> see what happens after that, Joe.
0: <laughs> well, and, and I want to ask you about, uh, uh, you know, Mayor Wu has been uh uh, very uh, aggressive and uh, trying to come up with different uh, solutions to to issues. Uh, uh, how has your experience working with her been? Uh, and I guess the question is, can you say no to her? I mean, do you feel uh, comfortable uh, if you're reelected? And
2: yeah, and there may not
0: be any reason to, but
2: yeah. One of the things that I like is that me, the mayor Mayor Wu, and I share a lot of the same vision for for what Boston should be tackling and how we should be Mm -hmm. tackling it, whether especially on the housing crisis, when we're talking about the climate crisis, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the ways that we can improve our schools. And I like that we are aligned in sort of how we think and how we approach Mm -hmm. issues. And that makes for an easier time for me to really get things done. And there are a lot of folks in her administration who I really trust and who really help me in solving problems for my constituents. And so, and as much as we can be working together, right, this is a partnership with the city council and the mayor, then we, we can do that. And I really do have faith in the mayor's vision for the city of Boston. And at the same time, the city council is not meant to be a rubber stamp. We're there to be accountable, to hold the mayor accountable, to hold the administration accountable, and to be transparent. So there are moments when I have disagreed, whether on, bu- on the budget and, uh, I'm taking a vote to, um, uh, uh, uh fund other, uh, important measures in the budget. Or whether it's you know uh, a police grant that I took issue mm-hmm. with and I voted no on, even when she was pushing for for she was the one who put uh, the the grant before us. So there will be and there have been moments of disagreement, but right. I think that's what's healthy in a democracy in right. a system right. of checks and balances. What, what
0: about the uh, whole uh, brick uh, uh, proposal or, or funding? Is that the grant? That's you're, the grant you're, I was talking, talking about. about? Yes. No, you, uh, not something you agreed with.
2: No, I think, you know, we have had, uh, past councils actually when, when the mayor was a city councillor. Um, you know, uh, uh, voted down, uh, the grants. Right. We have had court decisions on the state and federal level that have called into question, uh, the BRICS c- uh, use of the gang database, which have been found to be discriminatory, which have led, which has led to mm-hmm. the deportation unjustly of a Latino immigrant in East Boston. And so I don't, there has not been enough, uh, information. There has not been enough data and work to suggest that, uh, that we have really gone at the root causes of some of the problems. With brick and I, you know, we asked a lot of questions during the one hearing that we had on this mm-hmm. issue, mm-hmm. and I received answers, partial answers mm-hmm. to my question, 90 minutes before we were to vote on it. And yeah. as a lawyer, as an elected official, that's not enough time for yeah. me to do my due diligence on something that has been called into question by independent jurists right. and by city counselors. How
0: is the police commissioner doing, in your opinion?
2: I think the police commissioner has a really good uh, vision for, tough for, job. for and yeah. a tough job for where he wants to take the department. Sometimes I know that there are folks that want to see him be more public and more um, aggressive in the changes that are being made at the police department so that they can buy into this vision. Um, I want to see the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency have more teeth because we see time and time again complaints against police officers Mm -hmm. not being sustained and coming to...
0: Is he supportive of that?
2: Well, you know, there was recently a decision... Uh, where a police officer, there were, uh, uh, civil rights complaints put against a police officer. Um, and he made a decision uh, to not sustain those complaints as well. And so we really do need to have accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency was founded. And I am waiting for it to have stronger teeth yeah, yeah. so that the public can have faith and I can have faith that there's a watchdog mm-hmm. in place to make sure that the police are following the letter okay, of the law.
0: And we shall see on that. Uh, we've got just a minute or two left. Uh, okay, uh uh, it's one thing to govern, as you've been doing. It's another thing to uh, win an election. You surprised a lot of people last time with uh, how well you did. Uh, not me, but uh, a lot of other people. And uh, so what's your what's your strategy for finishing in the top four this time? Do you... Uh, uh, Feel like you could top the ticket this time?
2: I want to do as well as I can so that I can show folks that our vision is a a shared collective vision Mm -hmm. for a more just, more equitable, Mm -hmm. and um, a a more inclusive and a more fun Boston. That's what I care about. A city that raised me, a daughter of Mattapan and Hyde Park, a product of our public schools, Mm -hmm. daughter of Haitian immigrants, that I can bring my full self. Um, a black woman, a lawyer, an elected official, someone who's experienced discrimination in this city, someone who believes in the potential of this city. I want to continue doing the work in every neighborhood, mm-hmm. in the North End and the South End, in Mattapin and Dorchester, Roxbury, Charlestown, West Roxbury, Rosendale, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. I want people to feel like this is their city, and I want to do the work to make that possible. And
0: you uh, may well be, and I believe you are, uh, fairly reflecting uh, the... the you know, the will of the city, the, the city. But is the council as a whole uh, uh, reflective, in your opinion? Uh, with some suggestions during that uh, some of those debates, during redistricting uh, uh, charges, that the council was uh, racist. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, years ago, you know, Boston was very different, and uh, that's not to make any excuses for it. But uh, is it, in your opinion, does it currently reflect... Uh, you know, kind of the will, uh, what people want uh, to see on the council.
2: I think we uh, have a. You're uh, talking about diversity, yeah. equity, of course. Yeah. Uh, we are a we are a big diversity of seven hundred thousand people, and yeah. we have a, a council that reflects a lot of the diversity. Mm-hmm. We we can always be getting closer to that. To to ideals of what we want to see, we don't have any Asian representation on right. the Boston City no, Council. Not
0: perfect, yet, We're not but-
2: perfect yet, and there are still goals for us to meet. But I think we're getting. Boston is people say old versus new Boston, and mm-hmm. I really hate. That dichotomy, where we are seeing a Boston that is finally living up to who it we, who it really is, mm-hmm. embracing the fullness of itself. And we do that as we march towards progress, as we march towards doing the work of equity, correcting for our past mm-hmm. policy harms and bringing everyone along with us. We're going to have disagreements in a city of, uh, as big as ours. Not everyone is going to agree, mm-hmm. but can we find ways to work together? for us to meet the goals, for us to have our schools really meet the dynamic potential of each and every one Mm -hmm. of our students, to ensure that housing is a human right, to make sure that we have beautiful parks and that people feel like we, the city, care about them because their trash is being picked up and the dumpsters Mm -hmm. are being taken care of and there aren't any potholes. Those are the things that we need to do, and as we're doing that, we'll 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 live. It will become the Boston that that Mm -hmm. that already exists, one that is, you know, full of immigrants, teeming. Whether you are of of Chinese descent, of Haitian descent, of Italian, of Iranian descent, that that this is your city. Um, And so I feel like the city council is a reflection of us becoming Mm -hmm. a Boston that is fully embracing itself.
0: We'll be uh, interested to see the uh, the makeup of the uh, new council, as you said. There'll be at (laughs) least four. four new counselors uh, in the coming term. Again, uh, uh, Counselor Louis Jen uh, is running for re-election one of the, uh, for one of the four at-large seats. There's eight candidates in total. The top four will be elected, and I would appreciate you coming by Thanks, tonight and joining us and talking with us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: When we come back with more of Talk to the well, uh, we'll turn our focus to District 3. That was in Open seat, Uh, Frank Baker, who's the uh, counselor there, announced he was not running for re-election. In the big field, in the preliminary, the top two finishers, John Fitzgerald, Joel Richards, we've invited them both to join us tonight to uh, talk about their campaigns and their hopes uh, for their district. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Talk of the Neighborhoods.
1: After 10 years of community efforts, the Dorchester Food Co-op opened its doors, making it Boston's only community and worker-owned food co-op. The store is dedicated to providing fresh, healthy, and sustainable food options, while supporting local farmers and producers, reducing food waste, and highlighting equitable access and economic opportunities to neighborhood residents
4: one of the most important things about the co-op for me is its ability to draw people together. And we have folks from all all over the globe that work here, from the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Cape Verde, Somalia, all over. Myself from Guam. And so... The ability for all of us to work together around this common mission of getting good, healthy, nutritious food out into the community in a way that is respectful to the individuals that we're serving and the products and the the vendors that provide us with those goods.
1: The store hopes to bring together its Dorchester neighbors with community-oriented food staples, as well as ready-to-eat meals, a cafe, community meeting space, complimentary fresh herbs, and a microwave for heating up items purchased with SNAP. Items in the bulk department can be portioned and taken home in reusable containers. And the store's commitment to healthy options means none of their products contain high fructose corn syrup the co-op has
0: tried very hard to make this a a meeting space for folks and um, we really want to build a sense of community of the shoppers here the people who are part of the the co-op itself and and even folks who are not members but who want to have a place to meet and and have really a community focused uh like shop and
3: and cafe in the front. It was really important for us to be a community to make some decisions about the type of foods that would be um, in the store. It really brings a level of community engagement and also give us the opportunity to um, to really be in charge, right, Um, to have agency um, to ensure that we're getting the foods that we would like to see in our community.
1: SHOPPERS ARE OFFERED MEMBERSHIP, WHICH MAKES THEM A PART OWNER, GIVING THEM THE OPTION TO VOTE ON MAJOR INITIATIVES AND CO-OP BOARD ELECTIONS. MEMBERS ALSO HAVE ACCESS TO DISCOUNTS AND BULK ORDERING, AS WELL AS A SHARE IN THE STORE'S PROFITS AT THE END OF THE YEAR.
4: And CERTAINLY THERE'S A WAY TO BE ABLE TO MATCH UP THE CULTURAL CONTEXT OF THIS COMMUNITY um, with, WITH THE PRODUCE, WITH THE PRODUCTS. Uh, And with the service, Uh, many of the folks who uh, are here at the co-op who are working come from this neighborhood and come from this community. So when I I say ownership, um, I I really mean that there's an investment
3: from the community and an investment from the co-op that matches up.
1: The one-time payment membership also offers financial aid and installation options so that anyone in the community can become a co-owner. Currently, the co-op is 1,724 households strong, representing almost 4,000 people.
0: Just the other day, I was talking to the manager and asked about any product, and he assured me I was coming in. You're not going to get that in a big store. And I, and I know that the people who shop here, members here, the workers here, they're all part of the neighborhood, which means the money staying here, which is very important to me.
1: Return of profits and discounts for community owners an abundance of local farm-fresh food, a gathering place for the community, the Dorchester Food Co-op is a clean sweep for all.
0: All right, we're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods uh, tonight. We continue our coverage of Election 2023. The uh, final election is coming up, November 7th, right around the corner. Uh, candidates making their final pitches uh, all across the city. And in certain districts where uh, there's uh, very spirited races, including District 3. That's uh, Dorchester uh, district, runs uh, uh, north to south, all the way up to the south end, and uh, a big field in the preliminary election, and the top two candidates have moved on to the final election, and they're here tonight to join us for a uh, a mini-debate forum, and I want to introduce them. uh, on my far left, you're right, uh, John Fitzgerald is a, uh, I think I have this right, facilities manager for the Boston Planning and Development Agency. And sure. uh, and uh, also uh, the other candidate in this race, Joel Richards, uh, Boston Public Schools teacher and a, a, a pastor, a minister. Uh, yes, I know you uh, do a lot of that as so, well. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for coming tonight.
3: Oh, thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you.
0: Well, why don't we start out this way and, and help our viewers, uh, if they haven't been paying attention, they should be, uh, you know, it's an important seat and an important role to play. But but what makes you uh different than your opponent and and the best person, the best man in this case for the job, uh we' wanna start with you, Joel? Yeah.
3: yeah, no, um, I think you know, we've been getting this question a lot and I guess it's important, you know. Uh, I think our vision for the district is just a little different um, where um, I want to be totally beholden to the middle-class and the working-class people in this district Um, I want to build housing that I want to work on bold new plans to keep our families and our middle-income people here in the city right Um, right now we do have a lot of development going on but it's out of the price range of most people that I know Um, literally on Saturday uh, one of my best friends in the world moved out of Savin Hill, right? And him and his fiance clear $195,000 a year after taxes. They, they got approved for $500,000, but there's nothing for them to purchase right now in this city. So, like, I have a vision of actually, you know, using municipal funds to invest in that and to, and to actually make it very purposeful where we keep those people here. Um, also, you know, the difference is I need the public schools to work. Right. Um, there's no way for me to check out. And right now we haven't had a new school on our side of town since 1971, 1972. So I really want to be that person that actually unites parent groups. I have been an organizer in the past. I'm a person that can get things done in a bold new direction and actually, you know, get new schools built. These are logical right. questions that we can have. And then when it comes to our, you know, one of our most pressing issues, which is mass and gas in the middle of the district. Right. Sure. Um, I really, I fought for six years, uh, to get social worker, a social worker in every school in Boston. You know, we worked on that for a while, and I really want to start hiring hundreds of social workers a year, right? Where we're actually mitigating the factors. Right now we're dealing with downriver, where they're already homeless, but if we can clear the tents, we can make, rooms all mm-hmm. over the city, but if we don't start creating a social structure that actually prevents people from ending up on the streets, and then actually helps people mm-hmm. who end up on the streets get off, the problem will just grow and grow. And,
0: and I want to talk some more about that in, in a little bit, but uh, I want to give John sure. a chance. Uh, John, how, how are you uh, How are you different, and what makes you the best person for the job?
4: Yeah, so uh, Joel and I, in a way, have a lot of similarities, right? Uh, both fathers of three, and congratulations on, on your newborn. Uh, And we both live in Dorchester, and we both want the best in terms of for our families and for a lot of people that are in the similar situation uh, like ourselves. Um, I think one thing that sets me apart is I have 17 years experience working at City Hall. Um, I think that's invaluable. Uh, When you talk about government and you think about uh, especially the nuances of city government and the relationships that you have to build with folks in that building um, in order to get things done, Um, I've been doing that for 17 years, so I'm excited uh, to sort of parlay those those relationships, those, that knowledge, uh, that institutional, institutional knowledge um, into something where I can really hit the ground running and knowing how to get things done and deliver for this, for this district. Um, you know, the, the, when we talk about uh, you know, who we're wanting to represent, um, I think it's everybody that's in the district, and certainly I, I consider myself part of that middle class, um, and I, I tell folks I love two things. Uh, I love my family, and I love this city, and I'd like to keep those two things together. Um, And that is with regards to, you know, there's a lot of factors driving people out, be it public safety, public schools, uh, the cost of housing, things like that, where a lot of families are deciding to leave. Um, And I worry about sort of a a childless city, in a way, right? Um, And and the infrastructure that you build around that. And and when you build around families, everybody benefits from those amenities. Mm. And so I'm excited to keep families here.
0: Uh, Thank you both. Uh, Let me ask you this. what does the defeat of two incumbents in the preliminary election tell you about the mood of the electorate, and uh, how has it informed your campaign? So we'll come back with you, John, and then to you, Joe.
4: I, I think in those two specific races, I think you're referring to hey,
0: um, five and six.
4: Yep. Yeah. Um, I think there it, it really was. We saw uh, some folks that uh, had made some bad decisions, or had made uh, you know uh, some questionable. Uh, whatever you want to call it and I think it's nice to know that the city still has the muscle reflex when 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 voting voter fatigue is there and there's low turnout and people don't seem to be as engaged in local government or even or even national politics as it is um, it was nice to see Boston say hey if there's something that's not working we know how to solve that problem and we can vote it out right um, and I think that's what you heard what that says for the rest of the, the you know outside of those two districts we'll find out in this upcoming mm-hmm. election um but did it
0: change how you uh, uh, campaigned, or you? Uh... No,
4: no, we haven't strayed. Uh, our ability was, you know, we were able to to knock doors, get out there, talk to the people, be excited, be positive, um, and I think that's sort of something that was lacking in the past years at City Council, right? And so, um, just being a fresh face, energizing, uh, and having a groundswell of support um, has been our has been our
3: our, our motto, and um, and so we just continue to do
4: yeah.
0: that. Yeah. Joel, what did it tell you? Uh...
3: Well, I think it just it spoke to the fact that people are a little fatigued of the devi- divisiveness and the status quo mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and it excited me, actually. Um, it gave me more confidence because people were looking for someone to do the work. And I've always been a person that's willing to do the work. Um, you know, I haven't always been on the inside or been able to, you know, like come from, you know, that realm of possibility. but. I've always been a person that has been about the work and I usually unites people. When I talk about the schools, when I talk about these issues, these are real issues in my household. These are real issues that affect me and my friends and my family every day. Um, So like people were excited to hear my passion for the work, not for arguing and not for being divisive, you know, and and not for the status quo, something different, right? Because we've seen what this status quo has gotten us, right? It's gotten us the broken schools, our, our potholes, our sidewalks not being done, right? We've seen that work, but we, then we see these giant buildings keep popping up, right? And so I feel like when I share my vision and when people see me, they see the change that they really want. So I feel like when that was a way to wake people up, and then when I came around, I think it was something very positive, right? And yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, development, and of course, uh, Uh, Dorchester is hot uh, right now. I mean, uh, there's lots of uh, development being proposed there, uh, and I want to check in with you how you're feeling about some of these projects. Uh, uh, The one I'm hearing about is 150 Center Street project. Then there's one at 900 uh, Morrissey Boulevard, supportive housing for homeless people. Also, I think there's a big uh, proposal, and I know it's not exactly in your district, but it's right on the border. Uh, near the Shaman Station
3: in uh,
0: Dorchester, how are you feeling about uh, development in in your uh, district, your neighborhood?
3: You know, development is fine. Like I, I keep saying this over and over, we can we can handle development, we can handle growth, but if it's not in a price range for. Um, middle income, or for people that go to work every day. Mm -hmm. When I talk to people and they're like, I only got approved for $475,000. That's a ridiculous number to say only Mm -hmm. for, right? We need to provide, the city needs to kick in and provide whatever it takes, whatever bold strategy you want to take, so people like that Mm -hmm. can stay in the city. We can't afford to keep losing, are working class and middle class people. I'm fine with the development, but it has to be within reason. It has to be something that actually helps people stay here and Bostonian stay here because the current development is forcing people out, right? The current development is causing families and people to move away, teachers to move away. You could work at a school and maybe three teachers live in Boston, right? We have p- teachers going all the way to Rhode Island, right? I've met EMTs that have to come back after the three year exemption and they're like, they're gonna leave Right? right. the profession because they can't, it's not sustainable to live here.
0: Well, the mayor has proposed a, a, a real estate uh, transfer fee, and I'm wondering, uh, is that something you can support and what what about rent control? Do you support that?
3: Uh, as a landlord, as someone whose mother-in-law works cleans banks at night because her rent was jacked up on her because she wants to stay in the city and uh, raise her children, I support rent control, right? Um, but that's that's only one piece we keep need we need to keep doing more mm-hmm. right to keep make sure our families and our young people can stay here. yeah.
0: John, is that enough? Uh, what, uh, is sure. this development uh, in the, uh, the interest of the neighborhood, the people, the residents? Uh, what's your feedback that you're getting? Yeah,
4: so look at Dorchester is ripe for development. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot of it over the next 10 years. You even, you, when you look at what's being built now, uh, Bay City going up right. Morrissey Boulevard, yep. right, to 900 Morrissey, uh, building around transit-oriented development. You look at the BPDA squares and corridors squares, squares and plan that they have coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of development coming, so mm-hmm. it's important to have somebody that understands that process. Now, at 17 years at the Boston Planning and Development Agency, uh, I've taken hundreds of projects through the Article 80 process, uh, which has to happen for anything to be approved. Um, I was the Deputy Director of imagine Boston 2030, which was the first citywide plan in over fifty years for the city of Boston um, and so that knowledge right of understanding the processes and the planning around it um, the question will be it is what type of what type of development is occurring where right mm-hmm. and are we and who are we building it for um, I think about when I think about where to build right I think about density around the small business locations around transit-oriented development uh, mm-hmm. finding those pockets where you can fit housing now uh, but it's the type of housing that you're mm-hmm. building too
0: do you consider yourself pro-development and uh, uh, how has your interaction with uh, uh, you know all these various developments over the years affected your how, how you view this uh, the whole yeah thing? I- uh, do we uh, you know, kind of open the doors and and welcome developers because we're so desperate for housing no matter what the cost or do we put some restrictions on
4: what happens? No, I think right now, so I would say I am pro-development, and for the, for the really the, the biggest reason is if you look at the city's budget, right, and the property tax that generates the majority mm-hmm. of our budget, and how much of that is based off, how much is counted upon for new growth. So that's not just, okay, here's what we yeah. take in every year, right? There is a new growth budgeted into the budget every year. And so if that is gone, then you have to start thinking about, okay, well, what, what are we cutting? Right? We're, 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 we're anticipating this much, and if we know in the BPDA, there's all, development has sort of taken a fall. We've seen the, the permitting go down, right, and the, and the projects sure. going process uh, being approved go down. So we know that there's sort of a, a, a cliff here uh, where we cannot expect all that to come into the budget. So I am pro-development in terms because that is going to have to happen. Um, I used to tell folks all the time, I said, if change doesn't occur, we'd all be eating dinner at Paul Revere's house still, right? So we know it has to happen. Right. Uh, it's what,
3: it, where right. and when. Yeah.
0: Would you put uh, some restrictions, some more controls on how uh, uh, I, these developments are being
3: I, I would, but I know, I know that as a, a city councilor, I wouldn't have those powers to do that. Right. But what I would have the ability to do is push for an alternative form of development where the city actually purchases the rundown houses, abandoned houses, the slumlord houses, and actually develops that for our families, for our young people. Mm-hmm. You could do as much development as you want, but the new developments are not in the price range that most Bostonians mm-hmm. can afford. So if you don't bring down the price, right, if, you, if the city doesn't kick in, start you know subsidizing um, to do that. Also, why there, John mentioned that there's a, um, um, that the amount of new developments is going down, but that's because our smaller local developers can't mm. get into the game, right? If you don't have a hedge fund or a big company backing you up, right, you can't get into the game. So if the city doesn't kick in and actually develop and actually help the smaller developers. So you developers, want the
0: city to take more of a role. Yes. Uh, and and uh, uh, John, I meant to ask you, did, did you uh, are you in support of... Uh, The rent control bill once uh, before the legislature
4: sure Sure. so i I just want to respond to one thing there the city does have a program where we purchase housing and 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 parcels aside from the city-owned land itself Um, but there are restrictions that come with that that make it difficult to pass on to the new homeowner or to the someone who's looking to have a house Um, and that typically there's a covenant and there's a a resale restriction and there's thing like that which sort of uh it curbs the generational wealth that you want a family to start building mm-hmm. right um so they found uh, there's other methods where you could certainly the first time home, home home buyer program and other programs where you can support but it's easier to go out and get a a mortgage from your regular bank and then have the city subsidize those efforts okay.
0: um, rent control uh, and what about the mayor's proposal for the uh, real estate transfer fee the same for both of you
4: sure so uh, rent control uh the Stanford did a study of San Francisco and rent control's effect on it. Um, and it gives me pause, right? Because there are, at face value, right? You can understand rent control and someone saying, oh, you can put a cap on my rent and it can't go up. I'm, I'm with that, right? But if you look at the secondary and tertiary effects of that, what that does is limit development and limit investment into the city, uh, especially at a time now when uh, interest rates are so high, labor is high, cost of materials is high. Uh, The only message, if you add rent control to that, along with the the IDP increase and other things that are happening, um, that causes disinvestment in the city. And again, if we see that disinvestment, that
3: affects our city budget. you might
0: kill the uh, golden goose uh, 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 that laid the egg. The the goose that laid the golden egg. Do you agree with that? Uh, But then
3: also, but John already pointed out, that the production is going down already. So without the rent control, it's already going down. But this is why the city has to kick in. This is also where deed restrictions is a is a rule this with as a city council, as a mayor, we can change deed restrictions that John is talking about to turn over property, right? If we want to be bold and we want to keep our families, let's change things. Let's have the long conversation about changing the rules, changing the way things go, so we can do these things, right but It's just the political will to actually do them, right and so yeah
0: well i I am let's I, we've got just a few minutes left. I want to ask you about a couple of other things uh. Uh, there was a vote that came up for the, uh, uh, the they called the BRIC proposal, the Boston Regional Intelligence Center uh, that Boston police uh, uh, are, are looking to uh, get the grant for. Is that something uh, you would support if you're uh, elected? Why don't we start with you, Joel?
3: I don't like anything in secret. Yeah. Um, I like everything to be um, open, especially when yeah. it comes to where, uh, to tracking citizens and people in the city. So, no, it's not something I would support.
0: Uh, John, one by me?
4: No, I I would. I think it's a valuable tool. And if you ask the folks that actually work in the BRIC um, and and what that money is used for, uh, it's a lot of things. Um, And not just for local gang or anything like that. I mean, it's it's anti-terrorist, it's other options. And um, frankly, we need to support our police more.
0: All right, we've got just a few minutes left. And I've got to ask you this. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, uh, controversy on the council, uh, a lot of bad blood. Bad feelings and some uh, very uh, uh, charged comments. Uh, How would you change the council culture to make it less toxic? Uh, John, we'll start with you and then come back to Joel.
4: I think i take what I've built over this campaign and take it into the city council, which is one that's based off positivity, excitement, energy, uh, bridge building. Um, if you look at the 19 unions that have endorsed me, we have, you know, there's Local 26, Mass Nurses, um, Greater Boston Labor Council, very progressive unions. You have firefighters, you have cops, you have other side. So really, when, when we talk about going in there and being a bridge builder, as to what that city council does need, someone who can work on both sides, uh, I think my campaign has demonstrated that uh, through my support. Um, And so that, and common courtesy, common courtesy and common sense. I think it'll go a long way.
0: Joel?
3: I said the work. Um, I want to get in there and do the work. It's not about any more rubbing elbows or anything about that. It's about like what needs to be done. You know, I want to go to people and ask for a list of 10 things to get. What does it take to get a new school on our side of town? What does it take to actually get municipal funds for, to increase the amount of municipal funds, purchasing homes to keep our families here? I feel like when you're doing the work and you're doing the right thing, I feel like people really see that and respect that and then get behind you on that. So we don't get get sidetracked with petty arguments about, like, who's doing this or this or start calling people out about their nationalities or anything in their backgrounds, right? We start moving forward and doing the work.
0: Well, uh, well put. uh, We've got just a minute. So you mentioned that at the top, we talked a little bit about mass and casts, and of course, uh, it's a sore point for a lot of people. Uh, the Council did approve removing the tents, and uh, you know, Joel, you had talked about uh, we need more social workers down there. But uh, do you agree with that? Do you, should be should the tents be removed, and uh,
3: I mean, or and um,
0: or what else? would you like to see happen there?
3: You can remove the tents, and I think that it has to happen. We, it's a public health issue. There's a lot of things that have to happen, um, but I feel like moving the tents without the pr- appropriate social structure is purely punitive, and that doesn't help. It's just gonna return back. It's not the first time we've removed the tents. Mm-hmm. So if we really wanna make huge shifts in our society. We have to build a social structure so people don't end up there. We have to build a social structure so people can get out of there. Just removing the tents didn't remove the problem. It did remove the eyesore, Right? And we have to also respect mm-hmm. that there's people in the south end who don't feel safe, who are picking up needles, or kids are getting picked by needles. So if we don't start tomorrow on building that infrastructure to remove that danger, removing the tents doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have we moved fast enough, John? Is, is that something you'd like to see, and bulldoze the tents? Maybe not bulldozer. I I might be an overstatement Well, excuse the hyperbole, but yes.
4: uh, Well, look, I I think yesterday's vote was a small step in the right direction, but is by no means the the end-all be-all solution, right? Um, We know what occurs in those tents, it has been well-documented, and there's a humanitarian crisis down there that needs to be resolved. Um, I always look at it as, if you can remove the tents, allow the police to do their work on those that are preying on the folks down Mm -hmm. there, uh, and then uh, what you do is you take the decentralize the folks that need help. put them around trauma-informed care. And what I mean by that is, if we can have small groups of 10 to 12 folks and working throughout the region, not just the city, because we know a lot of those folks don't come from Boston. Um, And so working with the state and really all of New England to have places where they go and get the hyper-localized care they need for their specific trauma that what brought them down to Mass and Cass, I think that's something that people, even around the state and around New England, can understand. It's not saying, hey, we're going to put 800 beds over in your neighborhood. It's saying, "Hey, we have ten to twelve people that need this specific care, and it's run by a well-known organization that can provide that, and it's secure, and we spread it throughout New England." And that's okay. one way.
0: Very good, uh, John Fitzgerald, Joel Richards, uh, the two, uh, the last two men standing, uh, so to speak. A uh, very good race, uh, both very good candidates, and uh, want to wish you both the best of luck. Uh, of course, the election is coming up, November seventh, and. Uh, uh, this might be uh, the most competitive race in the city, and uh, we shall see. Uh, I want to just do a program note. Uh, uh, this concludes our broadcast on WBCA Radio at 102.9. When we come back, we'll continue with our television broadcast, and uh, City Councilor Julia Mejia joins us then. Stay tuned for more of Talk in the Neighborhood. We'll be right back.